This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I'm Helen Farmer and this is Farmer's Kitchen brought to you by Spinneys. A real fantastic foodie episode today as we discussed ingredients, chefs, where to go and more. It was the Humble Supper Club that started in many a front room in the UK and the US. They are here in Dubai and stealing a bit of attention away from some of the big names on the restaurant scene. We were in conversation with a number of them. The couple behind Tano's at eight, a supper club by an Airbnb company. And it was Haya's Kitchen taking us back to Palestinian roots with Haya herself. We were also in conversation with Chef Jay Williams sharing his journey from pot washer in New Zealand to exec chef at the Sofitel Dubai downtown. Courtney Bratt was in the studio to talk food news and Neil from Spinney's has been out strawberry picking. Prepare to feel very hungry indeed. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. We are, of course, talking food this afternoon, getting out and about around the city, inspiring you with some great ingredients at home. But what about eating in someone else's home? Supper clubs have begun from a bit of an underground sensation to something to be truly celebrated and delighted to be welcoming a number of kind of gems on the scene to the show this afternoon. We're speaking to the husband and wife team behind Tano's at 8. Kinder and Sultan joining us in studio now. Welcome, guys. Happy Friday. Great to have you with us. Now, I've got one question. I've got a couple of questions. I need clarity on. Sultan, I'm going to start with you. You're Syrian-Lebanese. Kinder, you're Lebanese, but it's Spanish cuisine you're serving up. What is the story behind the choice of cuisine? Uh, yes, it's it's uh, it's actually a common question. Um, and we cook a lot based on our travels and experiences. And Spain for us holds a very special place. I've been going there since I was three years old. Uh, Kinda's uh, family also uh, goes there every year. Uh, and for us, it's a very special place. And we wanted to recreate the food experiences we have there. And it took us a while uh, to get uh, to that place here in Dubai. And we ended up just making our own. Ultimately, that kind of grew from there. So have you always, I know you both have full-time jobs, Kinder. So when did the cooking become so much of a hobby that you thought, you know what, maybe other people would enjoy this? So we've always been passionate about, you know, the food. Uh, Sultan more on the savory side with cooking, and I've been on the sweet side baking since I was a little kid. And um, this really all started because I've been out of the corporate world for about seven years now, and I wanted to go back to work. Um, you know, having three kids, I took some time off to take care of them. And it just resulted in, you know, uh, just not being able to get a job. And I came home and there were tears. And, uh, you know, Sultan and I got to talking about our hopes, our dreams, our passions. And then we just got this crazy idea to to, to run a supper club and, and, and just share what we love doing with other people. And that's just basically where it started. And it really has snowballed. I need to ask, though, tell me, tell us about the name. Tanners at eight. What's the history there, Sultan? Well, um, it's it's somewhat m- my nickname growing up as okay. a child. My parents used to always call me Tano, but ultimately, it's come comes down to just not overthinking things. When you're when you want to do something, just throw yourself in there. And the name doesn't make sense after a while, but then now it sticks, and everybody likes it you know <laughs> yeah what, so what do the kids think about you having you know people over and you spending time with this other job I suppose what was their reaction they love it I mean they get really excited so we usually host in the garden and then you know when people start coming over they're usually staring outside the window and waving and <laughs> we've even let them serve uh, the older two at least at, uh, at a few supper clubs just so that they get engaged and just you know we hope that that creativity just inspires them and that they they learn from that and and, and find their own way 
it's it's great in terms of as you say like life skills seeing you guys wearing multiple hats that sense of entrepreneurship the sense of feeding and sharing and celebrating and Spanish cuisine often really does lend itself you're famed for your paellas and I feel like when we look at the Dubai dining scene there are a few cuisines that are quite underrepresented and I'd say Spanish is probably one of them what are some of the favorite dishes Sultan that you've had big praise for and that you've become particularly well known for Yeah, so uh, the, the paellas, as you mentioned, for sure, and we do several types, four, uh, four or five different types of uh, paella uh, cooked on open fire when we're doing it at the supper club, but we're also deliver- delivering them from our own kitchen. We'll talk about Ooh, that later yes, as well. Yes, we will. Uh, and then also the burnt bass cheesecake uh, is, oh, is, wow. is a real specialty. Kinda does that. I have nothing to do with dessert. It's, it's all kinda. I can't bake. <laughs> uh, but that's another really uh, special. And obviously a lot of tapas and croquetas and appetizers as oh, well. Oh my goodness. Four types of paella and a burnt, burnt cheesecake. Thank you very much. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. Joining us in the studio are the husband and wife team behind Tanners at Eight. It is a supper club serving up Spanish cuisine despite Lebanese and Syrian Lebanese background. They are absolute smash hits on the supper club scene and delighted to have them here in the studio. So I wanted to ask you, Kinder, a little bit about the logistics that happen in terms of putting people together because I get social anxiety and stranger danger. How do you mitigate that and make sure you've got some great people around the table enjoying fantastic food? So the vibe is really welcoming. And I would say that this is an experience that you would do to step out of your comfort zone and kind of just meet like-minded people that would also want to, you know, experience something like this. And we just, you know, we keep it lighthearted. We we talk to our guests. We, we, you know, make some jokes. We make them feel really relaxed. And then all of a sudden, you know, once you share that meal and once you go through that experience at the end of it, everybody's friends exchanging numbers. So, you know, it starts off as them being uncomfortable and then all of a sudden everybody's just comfortable with each other. And uh, it's a beautiful dynamic to watch happen across the evening. And we love to see that. That must be really special, especially if you are having sharing food. You mentioned paella earlier, four or five types. I want to know more about the types. Can you tell us a couple of your favorites? Yes, of course. Um, the uh, paella de mariscos, which is the one cooked in uh, homemade seafood broth and saffron and um, as well as uh, uh, red peppers and capsicums and different kinds of seafood. Uh, My favorite is the arroz negro, which is a squid ink based paella. Um, And you'd be surprised on, you know, how every supper club, people are either swaying towards the paella de mariscos or the arroz negro. It can go either way. It's always 50-50. But I love the depth of flavor in the arroz negro. Oh, tummies rumbling. How on earth can did you share cooking, baking, hosting duties? Because I saw a tweet the other day which was behind every great man is the drawer I want to get into. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Why are you standing there? Um, so how do you how do you navigate that in terms of splitting up what needs to be done before and also on the evening itself? So we try to be as organized as possible and we do have some help as well um, from our from our kitchen, which is our delivery line. So our staff and team sometimes step in and help us prep ingredients. And then on the day, you know, Sultan would do all the execution when it comes to cooking. I'm not allowed to touch anything. So I just stick to the desserts and, uh, you know, execute that as well during the during the supper club. You make it sound so calm and easy. Sultan, I need to know, have there been any mishaps, dare I say, disasters over the over this time yeah i mean uh, you know there was one really bad one we were actually in the middle of a supper club and i have a gas fired oven 
and you can imagine what I'm about to say next. Uh-oh. We ran out of gas in the middle of a supper club, um, which was a real disaster. What did you do? Um, I ended up uh, just cooking on the residual heat uh, while uh, turning on the barbecue grill uh, and switching my kitchen to, to outdoors and just cooking on fire to get it to get it finished. <sighs> I but think I'd have been like tonight we're yeah. eating raw, not that. Don't eat that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's I, I find that reassuring that even you know the most kind of calm and collected uh, chefs can have a few little things beyond beyond their control. You mentioned deliveries earlier with Paya. Tell us about how that's evolved. So, can I I'd like to say something here because really that wouldn't have happened if we were not following our passion and just putting ourselves out there and doing what we love because that opportunity came to us by somebody reaching out on Instagram saying, hey, I've got licensed kitchen space that I need to rent out because I'm moving my operations to a cloud kitchen. Would you guys like to take this up a notch and, you know, explore maybe doing deliveries? During the pandemic. And this was during the pandemic. So Sultan was home most of the time uh, working from home and uh, we just decided to jump and, and try it. And what started off as just him and I in this centralized kitchen has now grown to a team of eight people. Wow. Yeah. This is... This is a, this is a it is it's heartwarming. It's lovely. Like, could you have even imagined this when you had that tearful conversation about I don't know what I want to do for work and you know I've got this passion I, to now be employing people. We, I mean, if I look at where we are today, I have no idea how we got here. All I can say is that we just did it day in day out, consistently followed you know followed what we love doing, and it just evolved organically from there. I'm going to have a couple of questions going. This sounds amazing. How can we book? Great question, Sultan. How does it work? I, you know, Kinder mentioning there the Instagram. Yeah. Um, what's the best way of getting in touch and ultimately finding out about, I mean, I'm guessing you sell out quite fast. Yes, yes, absolutely. So we keep it very uh, uh, intimate and connected uh, to our supper club guests. It's all through Instagram. It's all directly with us. Uh, we would issue dates towards the end of the month. And then at the beginning of the following month, we announce the booking uh, date and we, you know, just try to be fair with everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many times that I've had people, I've, I've known you since you were two years old. <laughs> I need to come, you know, our kids go to school together, but we can't. It has, we just have to follow the order of bookings, but yeah. Emily's been in touch saying, I agree with Paya de Negro. Loved it when I tried it last week. Prepare for your lips to get black because of the ink. So <laughs> in fact, a lot of people getting in touch saying that this is a great shout. I think we're making people very hungry for Spanish cuisine. So when is the next available kind of batch of slots, I guess? How often are you doing these? So um, uh, we took a, a break during Ramadan uh, to kind of create new menu items and focus on the iftar. We're doing a bunch of iftar deliveries as well. Uh, but right after Eid, we'll have some new dates for everybody. Guys, I'm I'm really, it's so lovely to hear about, well, good people serving good food for one thing and having an amazing response. It really, really is. Um, and is this going to be, is it monthly, weekly? How often are you running these, Kinder? So we used to run them four times a week. What? It just got really hectic. <laughs> You've got full-time jobs. Yeah, it just got really hectic. Um, so, you know, we don't want it to become a chore. And no. then running it so much kind of became so. So we just took it down a notch now and we do once to twice per week okay yeah. good to know lots of people getting in touch can you explain the best instagram account to follow to check you guys out how's it spelt so it's uh t-a-n-o-s eight tanos at eight uh essentially yeah and do people have any control over the menu or is you guys you guys going you've got this slot this what's this is what's on the menu 
So we usually do have a set menu and it changes every month. But if somebody wants to book a private dinner or host a private event, then we can customize the menu to their liking. So you can choose the pair of your choice and a burnt Basque cheesecake for a birthday cake. <laughs> Sounds incredible. Guys, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. Thank you for having it us. It really is lovely to hear about these homegrown concepts born out of circumstance that's doing so, so well. It just goes to show there is, and pardon the pun, you know, an appetite for for great ideas and fantastic food. So thank you. Tanners at 8, if you would like that Instagram account, by all means, send me a message and I will reply with that so you can check out the guys. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We're really lucky here in Dubai. We've got a roster of world-class celebrity chefs, homegrown talent, big big names, but some hidden gems as well. So yeah, we are. We're sport for choice. But one thing, one trend that's been... Gently simmering for a long time and now somewhat coming to the fore are supper clubs. Now, this traditionally began in home, you know, cooks serving up family recipes, maybe making some money out of, a, you know, their dining table in their front room. And they're here in Dubai now. Friends and neighbours coming, sometimes strangers as well. And we've got some really fantastic concepts here in the UK, um, in the UAE rather. But now we've got holiday home company that are reaching out and creating their own bespoke supper clubs for clients. Vinayak is with us this afternoon, the CEO of B&B Me Holiday Homes. And tell us a little bit about what problem this is ultimately solving, Vinayak, because when I think about Airbnb, I think I'm going to have to go to the supermarket. And that sounds like perhaps not what I want to do as soon as I step off a plane or arrive in a new city. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me, Helen. I mean, the first thing I have to say is that after that list of food you just mentioned, I, I am starting to feel hungry. Tummies rumbling <laughs> across your bike. Do you know what? Before you answer the problem-solving question, what would you serve at yours? Um, it would have to be between two dishes. If I had to cook it up myself, it would either be... I, my wife loves my lobster curry. Ooh, um, lucky yeah, lady. Yeah, And I also do a slow-cooked uh, leg of lamb with uh, different roasted with different spices. Yum. Okay, so we could have a lamb off in that case. <laughs> but th- is that ultimately what I alluded to, that idea of wanting to have a change of location but making life a bit easier on the food front too? Um, yes and no. So the way we started is we started getting requests from from residents during the, lock, um, the lockdown and um, restaurants weren't allowing more than six to eight people. Mm. People didn't want to go to restaurants and they wanted something different. So they contacted us and said, hey, listen, can we rent one of your properties and can you arrange a meal for us? And um, initially we thought about it and we weren't too keen and then we started doing it. And we've hosted some fantastic events where we've hired professional chefs um, come in and we had a 40th birthday party where, where we did a um, tasting menu with, with, with the drinks pairing and uh, paired off with salsa classes. And <laughs> now, it is my 40th in a few months, so we might need to do some scheming on the party front. So this could be for, for people coming into Dubai as tourists as such, but also residents who might just want to book a property for one night for a special occasion. That's right. So, so what our supper clubs are a little bit different is everybody knows each other who's coming. Nice. So it's a, it's a group of friends, it's a business organization. P- uh, people want to have dinner in, in a business environment where they don't want to be seen and they want to have private conversations, but they want the five-star, seven-star meal. And that's really what we provide, incognito, high service, high luxury. I want to know. If walls have ears, I want to know the conversations <laughs> happening at these clubs. Um, what about cuisines then? What kind of menus have you offered up in the past or even chefs from different countries? You, you know, the most unique, the most unique demand we had was from a gentleman in Dubai who wanted to host a dinner. And his, his, his theme had to be vegan and everything had to be non-processed. 
Oh, crikey. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, it, but it turned out to be fantastic. I mean, I have to say, I wanted to eat some of that stuff myself. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the kind of food I would enjoy, <laughs> but I trust you. I do. And chefs love a challenge like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Sh- chefs often are, you know, creating food from the same menu day in, day out. To, to be able to give a, a brief from someone and have a one off celebration or, you know, kind of demands on cuisine or allergies or preference or a theme. That must be really fun for them as well. Yeah, yeah. We just one other one coming up to my head very quickly is we had a group of vegetarian, a group of vegetarian customers, but they wanted everything to be plant-based meat. So they wanted a complete non-vegetarian meal, but everything had to be vegetarian. <laughs> so, so this is happening. And I can I just ask you, just asking kind of super basic question in terms of the kind of properties that you have on your roster so to speak what are we talking about is it apartments villas can you paint us a bit of a picture of the yeah, portfolio so we have we have all kinds of luxury properties but i mean generally these happen in penthouses and villas of ours but we also have large one bedrooms overlooking the sea with large patios outside so it creates a nice scenic romantic view as well and then what about outside of the properties have you done things in other weird and wonderful locations oh yeah we have uh, we also have a glamping business which runs over the winter so we've set up um, dinners in the desert we set up dinners in Russell Kema in the mountains at the wadi on the beach in Russell Kema we've done it all now I'm someone who loves to eat, but to me, like the thought of the logistics of trying to get food to you know hop or halfway up Jebel Jays or the bound, the mountains in Russell came. What are some of the logistics involved in this behind the scenes? Well, we have a commutable kitchen, so we just have a small kitchen that we can pack up and take up over there. Um, all the ingredients the chef brings are prepared, so he just has the final touching and cooking over there, um, and it comes out pretty good. We also have one of those portable ovens, so we use that as uh, the pizza ovens, so we use that as an oven as well. So can I ask then, this is obviously been sparked somewhat by the pandemic but at that time. In Dubai, we were really lucky. The lockdown wasn't that long, and people did kind of bounce back into that restaurant scene. But do you think it's ultimately affected the way we dine forever or certain aspects of it? I think what we're seeing here is it's an experience. So, I mean, Dubai is, there's so many restaurants and there's always new restaurants coming up. Um, This is a different experience and this is a bespoke experience. You can create your menu for the eight people that want to go there and have a super luxury. We have a guy who comes in and plays the violin. You can have a musician. You can have a, a game session afterwards. We had salsa dancing once. I mean, so you can create a whole experience around it. And it's not just the dinner, right? I mean, you can show up at six o'clock in the evening, leave at six o'clock the next morning, mm-hmm. spend the night there with a group of friends and have a ma- magician or, or, you know, you name it and you can do it. Magician, that's the fortieth sorted, Maneg. That is the fortieth sorted. Um, and in terms of any requests, we're like, I don't think we can accommodate that. Is there anything that you'd say no to? Uh, well, we wouldn't do anything that's uh, illegal. Thank you for clarifying on national radio. Yeah, that's that's, that's the first thing. But um, we had a request for last year Valentine's Day, which we couldn't do, where somebody wanted to jump out of a plane. <laughs> And or wanted his the lady he was proposing to jump out of the plane, and he was going to be standing down in the desert oh, on his knees proposing with a ring. We unfortunately didn't get permission to do that, but um, <laughs> by the woman. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, look, we we're ready for a challenge, so come up with it, and we will try to do it. And in terms of logistics, a question here from Ian saying, "How does it work with budget?" Good question. So, d- would someone come to you and say, "We've got ten people, we've got a budget"? I've no idea. Let's say five grand for for argument's sake. Um, 
do you then put together a menu that they approve or, or can you talk us through the process? Yeah, so generally they come up to us, they tell us how many people they are and they would tell us their budget. We would come back and offer them a property and we would tell them uh, based on their budget what kind of a menu they want. Now the menu is very customized. Mm -hmm. So we take, we send out a question list, everybody in the group can answer that question list and then we create a menu for them. Um, uh, otherwise we also have our standard menus which we offer, but we tend to move towards more bespoke. Okay, so Helen's 40th, July 5th, we're going to have grilled cheese sandwiches. Um, we're going to have salsa dancing and a magician. Uh, we don't do grilled cheese sandwiches. You've got to challenge, you've gotta challenge <sighs> okay, us a bit I there. want your lobster. I want your lobster. <laughs> <laughs> that we can do. Um, question here from Sam saying, what's the best way of getting in touch? You took the words right out of my mouth. For so anyone who has got an occasion coming up, that might have guests coming to town, want to make life a bit easier on that front. Um, is it as simple as having a look at the properties online and making yeah. a booking or is there a number that we could get in touch with? Yes, yeah, so you can visit our website which is bnbmehomes.com or you can call us at 800-BNB-ME which is 262635. I'm excited to hear what's uh, what's going to be put your way. It sounds like you like a challenge. So I'm game. I'm going to be a tricky customer for you come July. Next. Thank <laughs> you so much. Really interesting to hear about some of the things happening around Dubai that we didn't even know about and that are options for, for special occasions and indeed maybe just a bit of a treat come the weekend. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We are talking food this afternoon and delighted to be in conversation with someone whose name I have heard shouted from the rooftops um, amongst the foodie scene here in Dubai. I'm really delighted to have her on the show at last. Haya Bishuti is with us, the founder of Haya's Kitchen. She's also got the honourable title of Community Tata, who loves to feed everybody. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Ramadan Kareem, I, and I know you're busy preparing your iftar for tonight, so thank you for stealing away from the kitchen. How are you, Haya? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Honestly, I would have loved to be, be in the studio, but uh, Ramadan is a busy period and I'm uh, cooking a special iftar for a special crowd today. So um, I'm grateful to be on the show and grateful to talk about all things Haya's Kitchen. Tell us what you're cooking. I want to know what's, what's happening in the kitchen for tonight. Uh, so it's a mix of things. Uh, one of the dishes is uh, chicken and frike, uh, which is a very popular and it's a comforting dish for me. Um, so it's basically toasted uh, frike, which is uh, wheat, and then oven roasted chicken. There is mjaddara, which is a vegetarian dish that we typically make with uh, rice, lentils and caramelized onions. Uh, there's rumaniye, which is like a whole other dish to talk about and uh, a bunch of like sides as well. Oh, my gosh. Well, some people are very lucky come sunset tonight. But let's start at the beginning, because as I said, you are a big favourite amongst the chef community here in Dubai. And I feel like a, a kind of a hidden gem that is perhaps not so hidden anymore. But where did Hire's Kitchen start? Where was it all born? So basically, um, I started Hayes Kitchen as a tribute to Palestine, which is where I'm from, um, to Tetas, which is grandmothers in Arabic, and to old traditions that seem to be fading with time. Um, and growing up, I was obsessed with food, like whatever I would eat, it would just kind of stick in my memories. It wouldn't necessarily be the stuff that I uh, saw, but it was the stuff that I ate. And I was blessed to grow up uh, eating amazing food by my grandmothers and my mother, and just kind of being around our kind of immediate family community, coming together around the table and having a meal together and sharing a memory together. Um, so I decided back in 2020 uh, to kind of 
preserve that tradition of bringing people together by creating the concept of Haya's Kitchen. And it started off as a supper club concept where I would invite people over and they would be able to enjoy a four course traditional Palestinian meal along with storytelling. Um, so one of my aims is to kind of preserve the stories or give some insight into how these dishes are made. Uh, because growing up, I think we all took for granted how these dishes are made or having them so readily available at the table by our grandmothers and moms and community around us that we didn't necessarily take the time to understand how these dishes come to be basically mm -hmm. at the table and where the ingredients come from. Uh, so I decided to do the supper club and to kind of uh, open up my doors in the same way that my grandmothers and my mom did um, growing up and to kind of just allow people to come and sit at my sofa table and to enjoy a home cooked meal. It's such a, I think we kind of do forget that food has history and heritage and stories because as you say, sometimes it's just served to you and you're hungry and you eat it. But what you're doing here is the community and the education piece as well. You've also got people using their hands and getting involved in some of the making too. Um, we're talking Palestinian food in particular, High's Kitchen today, supper clubs, iftars, and as you said, that supper table, meeting people you might not meet in any other setting. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. One of the stars of the supper club scene here in Dubai is joining us live on the line. Haya Bishiti is the founder of Haya's Kitchen. She is creating iftar throughout the holy month of Ramadan. The last one is tomorrow. Haya, how has it been hosting people there at Cave over the course of the last few Saturdays? What does it mean to you? Um, honestly, like I, I love everything that Cave represents, and um, it's it's it feels like it's a home outside of your home, and it's it's been an amazing experience to see people coming together, taking the time to break their fast at the table, and also be open to meeting other people. So it's set up in a communal um, iftar setup, and people get to sit together, they get to break their fast, talk uh, talk to each other, get to know each other, and then also hear about the. Uh, tales and traditions of Palestine. So it's been uh, very rewarding. I'm very humbled by it and very grateful for everyone trusting me with the experience of coming to have uh, a meal with me. You're, as it's obvious to just hearing you talk, a big believer in community and bringing people together. I think we often forget that about food. You know, it's it's not just fuel. It is there as a source of celebration and sharing and history as well. And you're using mm -hmm. it as an education piece for teaching people about the Palestinian food that you grew up with through your mother and through your grandmothers, even getting people involved in the creation of it as well. Tell us about some of the things that you've done with people that have come along to Supper Club in Niftar. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I kept on hearing from people saying, are you going to do cooking classes? Are you going to do cooking classes? And I wanted to kind of do a bit of a twist, not necessarily to give people like recipes and be like, here you go, just cook this. But I wanted to focus more on the techniques of doing things. Um, and that goes back to these old traditions that we grew up seeing uh, in our grandmother's kitchens and in our mother's kitchens, but not necessarily getting involved. Um, and girl actually involved in the kitchen. Um, so one of the things that I did, and I actually did a workshop with Spinney's, was uh, the vine leaf rolling workshop. Um, so basically 
teaching people how to roll vine leaves and empowering people to not be so intimidated by the concept of it. I think everyone just thinks, you know, there's no way I'll know how to roll them. So I'm just going to avoid it and eat it out. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to give people the opportunity to work together. And when you work together, you can achieve so much more. If you're rolling with a group of six people, first of all, you get to catch up and talk about things and talk about life, but then also be more efficient with your time enrolling thousands of vine leaves together, basically. I love this idea of, of talking and cooking because I find this with my kids. I actually find it with my husband as well. Sometimes if, you, if you've got an activity, you've got your hands busy and it could be sewing or painting or even driving, your mind does, it, it relaxes into conversations. You sometimes feel less self-conscious about sharing personal things or stories or, you know, what you're feeling. Have you had some conversations that have perhaps have surprised you around the table whether you're you know cooking together rolling together or um or just sharing that food over the years yeah i mean it's it's incredible to hear about everyone's like life stories and then also their personal connections to the dishes mm. uh whether they're from uh, the middle east or they're not but people felt like they had like a short uh, like a story or a memory to share and it was just beautiful to see how comfortable people got. Like no one knew anyone at the table, but everyone was sitting and rolling. And I was explaining to everyone how therapeutic it is to sit and roll vine leaves. You kind of zone out. But when you have people around you, people are just like just filling, filling in the silent moments of talking about personal and random stories, you know, whether it's about their cats or their dogs. I have three cats, so I talk about my cats all the time. <laughs> and so it's just nice to kind of break that barrier of people not knowing each other. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the workshop, people didn't want to leave. They're like, can we have more vine leaves? You want to keep going? I'm like, this is great. <laughs> I've got a workforce going on for you. So, exactly. So exactly. Tomorrow's the last, the last one. You are making Palestine's national dish, uh, which must yeah. be a, a kind of a, a wonderful and fitting end to this time. And then what's next after, after Ramadan? What are you planning? You mentioned cooking classes there. Are there going to be some more supper clubs mm -hmm. as well? Yeah, so I'm definitely going to be doing uh, more uh, sofra dinners. I'm hopefully uh, going to be doing more collaborations. I'm in talks with a couple of people now to hopefully do stuff post Daid. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to be doing hopefully in-person and virtual cooking classes June, July time. Um, and I'm working on creating some sort of like a food club in the same uh, kind of structure of a book club. Uh, sorting out the details for that. But I just want to give uh, the community an opportunity to just come together on a casual setting, um, talk about food, work with food, and just keep that community feel going. What do you think your own grandmothers would think about the tribute you're paying to them and their food, you know, every day in your thoughts and in, in the work that you're that you're creating? Yeah, I mean, I think about them all the time. And when I um, when people call me Teta Haya, like they, it's a huge um like compliment to me and it's very humbling for me and whenever I cook I always feel like I channel them in whatever dish that I'm making and sadly when they were alive I did take the opportunity to learn a bit from them but I wish I had learned more or gotten more involved so I think for me this is my way of um, keeping their memory alive and I hope they're proud. I'm sure they would be. Thank you so much for being with us today. Really wonderful to hear about what's Thank happening. You. We've had a couple of messages going, is tomorrow full? 
I don't know. I'm guessing yes. No, I actually, got some spaces? actually have a couple of spots open, yes. Okay, there you go. You can go to Haya's <laughs> Kitchen. Um, best way to get in touch is on Instagram, just H-A-Y-A-S Kitchen. And if you want that, feel free to drop me a little message on 4001 and I'll reply with the link. Haya, Ramadan Kareem, get back to that kitchen. You've got some hungry people to feed come sunset. Thank you so, so much. Really, really Thank appreciate you so your time. Much. Thank you. Have an amazing day. See you. Hire that from Hire's Kitchen. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinnies. Eat well, live well. We're talking food this afternoon, meeting the chef, getting you excited and inspired to cook at home, but also to head out around Dubai and beyond. And joining us in studio is Chef Jay Williams. He's from Wellington, New Zealand. His career started off, as many do, at the bottom of the chain, the hierarchy of the kitchen, washing pots, scrubbing potatoes in the kitchen of hotel. But today he's the new executive chef at Sofitel Dubai downtown. I think first thing to say, Jay, is congratulations on the new role. How's that feel? Thank you very much. It's really exciting to be there. It's um, a great property. Uh, yeah, awesome. Yay, fantastic. Now, <laughs> before I get to some of your background and your passions about food, what would you serve at your own supper club if you were going to have one? I'm a bit of a sucker for butter chicken. I'm not oh. going to lie. <laughs> I don't think of New Zealand being, you know, a natural butter chicken home. But when did you start cooking it? Um, first, when I... so. So growing up in New Zealand, you're quite limited with the options, especially when we were kids. It was predominantly European cuisine. So, you know, moving to Dubai and it being such an amazing multicultural city, I just fell in love with Indian, Arabic, uh, Asian, you you name it. Um, I got particularly obsessed with butter chicken and I probably cooked it for my wife about 100 times. So she likes it now. In the beginning, it was touch and go. The first but, uh, 99. The first 99 were a bit dodgy, but yeah, we're good now. All right. So Chef Jay would do his, his butter chicken. Loving your messages on this, guy. So tell us about growing up in New Zealand. You know, we think about that beautiful fresh produce, fresh air, of course, lamb, which would be my star dish. Who was cooking when you were growing up and what was on the kitchen table? Um, it's it's a bit opposite to most families. So my my mum, with all due respect, I love her dearly, uh, was not the greatest of cook. Um, I still cringe at the thought of uh, boiled potatoes with no salt, but that's okay. So um, it was mainly my dad. So um, he grew up and he, he was a, an avid traveller. Um, he worked all over the world. So he... Uh, I mean, he cooked a bit of everything, really. Um, he was particularly fond of Turkish cuisine, so he used to cook that for us a lot growing up. Wow, I don't think so, I had Turkish cuisine until I was in my like, late 20s, but you were being exposed to yeah. cuisines early. No, he. Um, I remember I must have been seven or eight, and he, he hosted a dinner party, and he made homemade baklava. And I think that was probably one of the points that made me go, like, wow, there's more to it than boiled potatoes. That is that is something. It really is, mm. because it, it can go either way in your household. It could have been... This is the norm, my boiled potatoes and no salt. But to have your eyes and taste buds kind of awoken. And then when did you think that food would be your career? That's something that you wanted to do? Um, to be honest, um, I, I didn't realise until I started working in kitchens. So <clears throat> I was meant, I'm actually meant to be an electrical engineer right now. How's that going? It's great. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, <laughs> Two I'm hats really, on. <laughs> I'm really handy around the house, although my wife might argue uh, the different. But, um, so it was never the plan for a never, while? Never. No, no. I, I always knew I didn't want to do an office job. Um, and my dad actually suggested to go into engineering or electrician or something. So I was, I was basically killing time. I had about nine months before the course was meant to start. And I got a job in a hotel washing dishes. And I just used to watch the chefs in the middle of service. And I just thought it was like the coolest thing I'd ever seen. 
And uh, nine months later, I was running the kitchen myself. Whoa. And that's the interesting so, thing about about working in that kitchen. It is such a clear hierarchy. For sure. You know, you, it's, it's kind of quantifiable that, yeah, maybe not nine months to run the kitchen, but it might mm. be like nine months to be, you know, on the pass or, you know, sous chef in three years or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. And when it comes to your foodie philosophy then you know what do you love to serve in the kitchens I mean obviously you're here at the helm now at Sofitel Dubai downtown but when it comes to your attitude towards food how do you summarize that um it's a very good question Mm. (laughs) um I I guess I always try and be ethical in what we do you know whether it's uh, through sustainability or just um ethically sourced products I'm I'm a really strong believer in that um, I mean, I'm going to do a little shout out to a, a friend's uh, cafe. So I always like to walk, work quite closely with Raw Coffee, which is in Alcoos. Um, so Matt and Kim, the owners, oh, lovely people, amazing. So um, I didn't meet Matt until I'd come here, but as it turned out, Matt and my dad used to work together in New Zealand and Wellington. So it was like you know, crazy small world, right? But um, once I got to know them and what they do and like the, the ethos behind their business and you know supporting the farmers and ethical and everything, I thought that was just a, such an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And it's always something that I've kind of tried to do myself and what we do as a business as well. Good people, good values. 100%. So yeah. what about good food then? What, what are some of the outlets you're going to be looking after at Sofitel? Um, so at the moment, we have uh, the all-day dining, which is called Le Cuisine. Um, we have La Patisserie, which is the, the lobby lounge. We have uh, L'Aperol, which is our French-inspired kind of um, uh, lounge, let's mm-hmm. say. Um, and then you have Mosaic, the pool bar, uh, room service. And we're working on a couple of new things, which I uh, can't mention yet. Ah, but, twinkle uh, in the eye. Yep. Okay. So you've got, now, I think the interesting thing about kind of going up through those ranks into executive chef. Now, how much time do you actually get to spend in the kitchen? It's a bit like many industries. You know, I got into writing and I became an editor when I was kind of a success, quote unquote, and that. It meant I was actually doing less of what I started, yeah. you know, what I want, why I got into that industry. What about you? Are you able to get in the kitchen now or are you more kind of behind the scenes and looking at, you know, finance and purchasing and teams and all of that stuff? Well, the nice thing about Sofitel is like we have uh, quite a small team right now. It's it's something again that we're working on. You know, once the business comes back, we can drive some more people in. But um, because we're small, it means that I can be involved. Mm-hmm. So like I I spend every day in the kitchen. I'm I'm doing something with somebody. And you're it's, in it's, your whites now. You're not in a suit. Am, you haven't crossed over to that side yet. Last last hotel I was. Interesting. Yeah, I was a uh, suit and tie and and very corporate. I used to joke with the guys and they say, what's your favorite dish to cook? And I was like, I can cook an amazing Excel sheet now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's great to have you back in the kitchen because you do need that connection to the staff. You need the connection with the customer as well. And that's how you end up serving the best food you possibly can. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinney's. Eat well, live well. We have got the chef in the hot seat today. Delighted to have in studio Chef Jay Williams, originally from Wellington, New Zealand, been in Dubai 14 years and is now at the helm, exec chef at Sofitel Dubai downtown. So 14 years in Dubai, about the same time as me, chef. Any uh, any reflections on the, on the Dubai dining scene in that time? Because I have to say it's night and day as far as I'm concerned. A hundred percent, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Dubai in general over the last 14 years, you've seen it as well, has just changed so much. Um, Like I remember coming and, you know, 
I started off in the Western Minasiahi and then the marina was only half built. Yeah. So we literally watched the high rises go up as we worked. It was incredible. And definitely the food scene has changed a lot. Um, I think people have, uh, there's definitely less fine dining, that's for sure. I mean, people still have the expectations of fine dining food, mm -hmm. but they don't want the pretense that goes along with the service and, you know, having to dress up and things. I mean, the best um, example of that for me is Three Fills. It's just such a cool restaurant. It's mm -hmm. um, the food is absolutely incredible. It's it's definitely, you know, deserves at least one star, World in my class. opinion. I think I think um, I think you're right. I think a lot of energy and attention, and rightly so, has been put into some really great homegrown brands. Mm -hmm. And I hate the word brands, but you know what I mean. And I hate the word concepts. I don't know what I'm, <laughs> I don't know what the word I'm searching for is, but but places with heart. You know, and really celebrating some of the chefs that have either been here a long time and have gained the confidence and the backing from people to start their own endeavours mm -hmm. or just really picked up on what people in Dubai really want rather than it being kind of parachuted in. That's it. I think people are looking for more than just a, a good meal. They want an experience. They want like an emotional connection with mm -hmm. something. It's a bit like your favourite brand. You know, you, for me, I, I'll always wear Adidas, for example, right? And people want that same connection with, with the restaurants they go to, yeah. especially now, you know, after the last couple of years, it's been tough. They want to know that they're safe where they're going and they, their money is well spent. You I know? think I'm really glad you mentioned money there because mm -hmm. I think... I don't want to say value means cheap because it doesn't because you could earn 2,000 dirhams a month, you could earn 200,000, but you mm. always want to feel like your, your money is going to be spent well. For sure. And it's you're talking there about you know ethically sourced ingredients, so it's about the care that goes into food, but it's also for me, if I, I don't go out that much, if I go out, I want to know that yes, I'm going to be getting good value for money and I'm not going to be disappointed on the food, but I also want a bit of atmosphere, a bit of people watching, a, yep. a bit of, you know, a bit of a bit of a vibe, so when I spend the rest of my week, you know, watching We Crashed on Apple TV, new episode tonight, um, then, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's a rare and beautiful thing, I think, for a lot of people to have that night out. That must be a responsibility for you as chef to be delivering every time. There is. There's always that constant pressure, you know, but that's what keeps us going. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the this is really exciting thing for me being with Sofitel Downtown now. It gives me an opportunity to work and improve. And, you know, we've got so many new promotions that are coming out. We're changing every single menu. Um, we've done a really cool iftar this year so rather than just kind of your stock standard we've done the story of Ibn Battuta so the whole buffet is like a culinary journey following the footsteps of Ibn Battuta so and so far so good the numbers are really good uh, the feedback has been incredible from the guests so watch good, this space so it's a good first project good first win now whenever we have a chef in the studio for chef's table and farmer's kitchen we always ask a bit of a tricky question and I say tricky because I change my own answer of this every <laughs> single time so imagine a scenario where I'm going to send you, chef, to a desert island, but not a, not a great one. There's not, you're not going to be doing like spear fishing a la Tom Hanks and Castaway. The food's going to be atrocious. But the night before you go, you get to put together the menu of your dream. Starter, main, dessert. You could have any configuration. If you wanted to have three courses of cheese or chocolate for the whole time, no judgment. Chef Jay Williams, what would be on your menu? So I've been thinking about this long and hard for the past five minutes. Um, <laughs> I would have to say sushi as a starter, sushi sashimi, um, no particular brand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, main course, uh, probably my wife's home cooking. Um, and I know it's Someone's really Someone's getting sappy. brownie points on a Friday <laughs> afternoon. No, but, I like it. Um, so my wife's originally was from Zimbabwe and she does this really nice, uh, she calls it sadsa. It's like a white polenta done with like a spicy peanut butter cabbage sauce. It's Ooh. just amazing. That sounds great. Um, 
And, and you have a sweet tooth. I do have a sweet tooth. And that's what I'm trying to think. Probably lemon meringue pie. <sighs> that's awesome. my favourite pudding too. Mm. There's something about like a tart citron, something about that yeah. that that makes your mouth water a little sure. bit. It's one of my favourite dishes to make and, you know, deconstructed different ways or classic, whatever it is. There's so much fun you can have with that dish. And my last question to you, if we're going to come to Sofitel to buy downtown over the weekend, is there mm. a dish that, you've, that you're so proud of? You're like, do you know what? You haven't had the experience until you've come and eaten that food. There's many dishes that will be launched very soon. Oh, you <laughs> tease. But the, the buffet, the iftar buffet is really, I'm, I'm super proud of it. Um, like, I've been here for a long time. I've seen a lot of buffets. I've done a lot myself, mm-hmm. but in my opinion, it's one of the best in town. And, I, and I'm not just saying that. I'm really proud of it. There you go, chef joining us. Again, congratulations on the new role. going to be really exciting to see what you're scheming up behind the scenes. Keep us posted, won't you? <laughs> for sure. Thank you. Chef Jay Williams joining us here, the brand new executive chef at Sofitel Dubai downtown. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well joining us in the studio right now to talk food news and maybe share her star dish is food writer extraordinaire Courtney Brandt. Now tell us, Courtney, what would you serve at your supper club? First of all, super excited to be back in the studio. It's amazing. Uh, I missed you, ARN. Uh, I, I can do one dish and it is, I am a great sous chef to my husband, but we do a excellent carbonara. We have served it uh, on vacation to my parents, most recently to uh, my sister and brother-in-law. It is our go-to for everything. We can make it pretty much in any country in the world. Okay, so Eric and Courtney's supper club would be the carbonara couple. That's it. Maybe a salad. I mean, let's try and be a little healthy. Nah. Yeah. What's what's the point? Yeah. He's just dressing. That's the best bit of a salad. <laughs> so for Corny, it would be carbonara. The alliteration is pleasing me a great deal here. For me, it would be slow-cooked lamb, 12 hours, low and slow. Then, you know, you can do a bit of hostessing as well. For Rachel, egg yolk ravioli with sage burnt butter sauce. Yeah, I'm going to come to that card party. Thank you very much. Send yours in now to win. But it's lovely to have you back in the studio. Lovely to have you back in... Uh, in the country as in well. In the UAE, yes. You've been in your in your native um, America recently. What was the best thing you ate on the trip? We had a lot of seafood. And I would notice, I think, um, seafood suppliers here have, you know, obviously come a long way in my 15 years. But if you're in Boston, it's right there. Lobster so, rolls. Lobster rolls, uh, really good uh, salmon. Just everything was, was very fresh. It was cold, though. Not prepared second week April for eight when we landed. Ooh. Refreshing, let's say. Bracing. Yes. As my dad would say. Um, now... <laughs> You are child-free and loving it. I have two girls. So we're talking now with Eid holidays coming up. <laughs> is it really a vacation or a holiday, as I would say, if you have kids? What have you been reading and what are the sides to this argument? So there's this great article, Vacation or Trip. And as we look ahead to Eid, I myself am going on a vacation. I know this because... It's how I'm even journeying to a place. I'm not packing up a car. I'm not loading all the luggage so I can't even see up my rear view mirror. I'm going in (laughs) packing up my luggage. It's accurate of my life. Go on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think the the key takeaway from this article, yes, it's directed at parents, which I am not, but that a trip can be fun if you manage your expectations. Don't go expecting a vacation when you're on a trip. Couldn't agree more. I think there's never a more optimistic sign of, of packing books. And I'm like, Helen, <laughs> packing your trainers as if you're going to go to the gym and packing multiple books as if you're going to read them. 
and but you know what? I, I took the kids away just just me recently, and I did take my Kindle because you know I take it everywhere. But my expectations were well and truly managed. I didn't go on that trip thinking it was going to be me reading books for hours a day and having time away from them. In fact, if anything, I wanted to have time with them. That that was the point of it. Was it the kind of relaxing holiday I had pre-children? Of course it wasn't. But but I you knew that I knew that it looked it did look incredible and I think how you took something like a very rainy day the rainiest in history the girls looked like oh sure there was some whinging along the way but it really looked like a memory that they will keep with them that was a favorite thing they're they're Dubai kids of course they loved rain but I think I think that this is the key to happiness across the board though managing expectations and not thinking about you know those Instagram moments or I want to eat this because I you know I read about that and yes you know take inspiration from places but if you're trying to measure up to some kind of you know fantasy fictional trip vacation holiday call it what you will you're probably going to be disappointed i have a rule of three and that's if you're going with children adults parents whoever everybody gets to pick three things they want to do and that way you can't be disappointed so the three things could be very different for each individual and speaking of i need to ask my group that i'm traveling with next week what their three things are so you are going on a vacation to where sri lanka oh good for you i will share in the newsletter this week which we we can uh, share at the end of, of my segment here but it is a villa on Airbnb that I spent most of the morn- morning looking at private pool near the beach. Oh, stop it. Private chef. <laughs> you, so you are, being a food lover, someone who plans holidays around what you're going to eat. Yes. So you're, as I said, fresh back from the States where it was all about seafood. Sri Lanka, what's, what are you looking forward to on the food front? I have been before previously in 2013. First of all, hospitality in Sri Lanka, incredible. Uh, their style of curry is I want to say like a dry heat, but you have to go prepared because they are not backing down on the heat levels. So our uh, the chef for the villa has asked, you know, do we prefer Western food or Sri Lankan? And I think we're going all in on Sri Lankan because why would you not? To be in a country which has su- such an, uh, you know, an exemplary culinary background, go for it. And also a chef that's going to be skilled in those techniques and used to working with ingredients in a certain way. Enjoy. And also, we said this on the show before, and I've had friends that have just come back from Sri Lanka. This is a really fantastic time to support them in terms exactly. of tourism. I mean, there really is so, so needed right now. Um, so enjoy that. Um, speaking of spice, spice rack pantries, uh, you are all about those hashtag pantry goals, Courtney Brandt. Who's, uh, whose pantry are you eyeing up? I am ashamed to admit this, but okay, I don't watch the Kardashians, don't that's not my lifestyle however there was like, an like watching the Kardashians is a whole lifestyle <laughs> it, mm, uh, but there was an article recently um, uh, exploring uh, the r- renewed Kim Kardashian pantry so she used to have a very minimalistic one now okay, I'm it, is, this right it now. is my actual dream pantry it's like a store but it's a pantry, but it's probably as big as both of our villas combined. Every snack you can possibly imagine, it's not only in there, it's like perfectly put in. So all the like, you know, it's it's in the oh little basket gosh. and it is, it's next level. It. I want it. It is like a shop. Yes. It's um, like your kids could play grocery store. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. If I had her money... I would be building, I'd have the library, I'd have the bookshelf with the hidden staircase taking 100%. me to a different part of the room. I'm not sure I'd be spending on the pantry. However, 
this looks amazing. Yes. Uh, now, coming to your real life kitchen at home, are you a super organized pantry person or is it a kind of shove it in, close it and you it's know, kind of a, it's not it's, it's It's a stack at the moment. I was at Spinney's on Wednesday and we were a week, you know, when you get back and you haven't done a grocery shop, I kind of shopped with my stomach. So it's a bit of a pile <laughs> at the moment, not going to lie. Yeah. Now, last week we were delighted to have your good friend Liamon from uh, Eatsy Go and it was delicious mm-hmm. eat go see um, and really enjoyed his chat made me very hungry indeed but he also raised a really interesting issue that you know we've had lots and lots of interaction on on social um, both on his channel and on ours as well about the ethics of influencers and I know this is something you feel really passionate about and something you're very transparent about when you're invited to go places meet people go behind the scenes um, host as well of course so tell us about what's been happening in the states because it's raised a different angle as such this one is and I so So for those who are listening, I am usually pitched restaurants. PR come to me. I rarely, if ever, go to a restaurant and ask to go to that restaurant. My relationships are with chefs and GMs, etc. In this case, in the States, there was an influencer, I'm going to put that in quotes, who said, went to a restaurant and said, can I come? And they said, no, actually, we're not doing this right now. And he said, fine. Then this influencer goes to that restaurant and proceeds to just really come down and say horrible things about that restaurant. So he's clearly bitter. Mm -hmm. What I'm happy about is that the restaurant stood up for themselves and said, transparently, this is exactly what happened. Here's the whole message. And for restaurants out there, uh, there is a very weird dynamic. It's not always balanced where the perfect person is coming into the restaurant to to have this sort of collaboration. That's all it is. Um, That people ask for too many things, too many guests, too many seats, too much food, too much drink. And I always try and just err on the side of just what is best for my brand and how am I being professional? And fair in terms of yes. value coverage. 100%. You know, it, it's, it's a, it has to be mutually beneficial. Yes. It has to be win-win. But I think this is something that's going to rage on because, you know, influence is not going anywhere. And also restaurants understand the value in that social media coverage. Because speaking honestly, that I used to read a lot of magazines. I used to, uh, you know, read kind of paper newspapers a lot more than I did. And, and that's when I used to get my ideas and inspiration of where I, where I want to go, what I want, like what clothes I want to buy, where I want to eat. And now... I consume almost all of my information through my phone and Instagram being a really big part of that. So a lot of people do kind of hate on influencers, but I think if they're being truly honest, if they have built up a relationship and it might be a one-way relationship with someone that they really trust, who is transparent, who might have a similar budget or similar taste or you know experience, then this can be such a trusted resource of inspiration and it ideas. can and, and I think it comes down to um, and I'm, I'm blanking on I think it was Fiona uh, Bacchus who said there's different there's influencers but I consider myself a key opinion leader so you don't invite me when you want influence mm-hmm. I'm a person who knows a lot of other people um, and it's all semantics and, and I get that but influencers to me would bring eyes bring lots of impressions I will bring that but I'm also going to bring an opinion and a lot of other people's opinions so when doing research of who to bring in Who is transparent? Who is consistently giving feedback? So even if I have honest feedback, it might go direct. You might never know I went to a restaurant because I don't want to put it on my feed. Mm -hmm. I'll just give that feedback directly. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting one. And I I really do... um I do. I value you. I appreciate you and uh, all of your kind of ideas and where you go. So where are you going to go this weekend? I am off to uh, Mitsuya, which is a new omakase uh, restaurant at Ritz-Carlton DIFC. I'm not sure which space it took over, but 
I'm always in the mood for omakase, so this is a great Saturday. Um, I'm going to give a shout, uh, if I can, to, um, for those who like Irish soda bread, my yes. friend Caroline Core uh, or what? Caroline Core Food. Yes. She's out of the country now, but she's baking like fresh Irish soda bread. What? It's next level. I have Spe- some. Yeah. Speaking as someone whose mum is Irish and my mum, you know, I, I maybe you don't know, in England they have these village fairs where, you know, people might make, you know, here's Jerry and his giant marrow, so to speak. Um, or like, here's Barbara, my mum, who's, you know, entering her soda bread into the baking competition. My mum's Irish soda bread won. Do you know what she won? Hmm. A pound coin. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> didn't even cover the cost of ingredients. But the pride, the pride in the certificate, very much intact. So Irish soda bread here in Dubai. Yes. Caroline. Yes, okay. Car- I'm going to, I'll put that in probably my, my own newsletter this week. Yes, do. Um, I'll make a shout. Um, I went back to Tristan's studio. Uh, they're at their new location in Nikhil. Uh, they launched a new beverage program, which I think is super exciting. Uh, if you haven't been, it is, the new location is just so epically stunning. It's a treat yourself. It is a, you know, uh, celebrate something, you know, maybe it's Eid, maybe it's a, you know, promotion, maybe it's an anniversary. I don't know, but you need to go celebrate there uh, and then I think this weekend um, uh, Eric sent in an order to Carnestore so we've got yummy. some steaks waiting for us in the fridge yummy we're doing a beach cleanup after work and then I'm going to salt because that is the best way to my mind to start the weekend Courtney Brown if anyone does want to check out you on Instagram and as you said sign up to some of the newsletters and your information what's the best way so it's underscore Courtney Brandt underscore if you go to my link in bio you will see all the links there that you could ever need you're a superstar thank you so much loving your work this is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8 with Spinneys eat well live well we're going back to roots now, talking ingredients. Um, I think everyone's got memories of, uh, well, picking and growing. And strawberries for me are really, really personal. I grew up in a, in a part of northeast England and there was a lovely farm called Brock's Bushes. And I used to go there with my granny and we'd pick the strawberries and eat a few of them along the way and then go home and make strawberry jam with them. And there's something about the smell to me of strawberries that just mean summer. Today is Earth Day and strawberries, of course grown right there <laughs> joining us now is a man who's been skipping around in the British countryside with a basket full of strawberries it's Neil Gibson he's Spinney's commercial manager of produce Neil I am so jealous that you got to go back and spend some time with this gorgeous ingredient where were you and how was it thank you Helen we were moving across the UK from Berkshire Surrey Kent and even as far up as Yorkshire but the weather was beautiful the whole time and that's brought the crop forward by full two weeks which is fantastic news well you say that but how on earth do you plan for these things you know so much of course with food is seasonal fresh fruit and veggies being the most obvious there but how do you plan that in store if if weather is either favorable or particularly unfavorable so effectively we have we fall in line with the with the growers so as soon as the grower tells us they're ready to go we just switch on the line get the air freight organised and, and get the product into market as soon as possible. So it's really driven by the grower learners now. Now, I know the last couple of years have been a bit problematic when it comes to travel and being able to go and meet the producers, head to the actual farms where a lot of the produce that comes to Spinney's is actually grown. So you went, now you're able to, to head around and, and you know, meet the people behind the produce. Why is it at this particular farm that you are interested in and working with when it comes to strawberries? So for us, it's just it's so fantastic to be out travelling again. We um, we had a really wonderful visit to our Hall Hunter farm in Berkshire and Surrey. They've got they've got 
two farms, one in Berkshire and one in Surrey, very near to Godamine. And um, you know, the, 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 the flowers were coming out in the, uh, in, in the fields. The strawberries were absolutely fantastic. They always taste better, in my view, when you actually pick them straight from the plants. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, there's something about when you, when you pick them and obviously you're not, you're not paying for them either. You're just having to um, as you walk around, <laughs> which, is, uh, which, is, which is always fun. Um, the, the, the variety they're growing is called Mulling Centenary. Um, and it's, it's a really, really nice variety. It, it, it's, it slowly develops its colour and also its flavour because of the UK climate being a little bit cooler and also the, the nighttime temperatures are quite cool as well. So the, the flavour and texture is just fantastic and we really love the strawberry. What about things like, and I'm going to ask you to become a bit of a, bit of a fruit nerd here, but things like you know, the method of pollination, for example, is that something that you take into account and is that something that ultimately we as consumers should care about? So this was really interesting, actually. When we were up seeing Annabelle's farm in Yorkshire, um, so Annabelle is um, Annabelle Macon is the um, the grower that um, is behind the Annabelle's brand, and she she starts a bit later, so it's a bit chillier in Yorkshire. So she doesn't really start until probably mid June. But we may have started a little bit early this year, but this year she's introduced um, beehives into um, into her farm, and they're doing all the pollination for the um, for the strawberries, which is fantastic. So she's got um, she's got about twenty beehives. There's literally thousands of bees in each of the uh, beehives, and they they go anywhere between three meters and three miles away from their hives wow. to go and uh, and collect food and, and such like. They're, they're based near a river as well, so we we put on all the beekeeper outfits, and that was quite fun. And we went to see them, and no one was stung, which was great. And uh, we got some great pictures. So so yeah, so she's actually using her own bees, but otherwise they introduce bees from. Um, uh, they buy bees or the other growers, but she's doing. She's this year. This year, she's bringing her own bees into the mix. Uh, Neil Gibson, I need to see these photos now. Listen, it's all very well thinking about the the method and the production, but as consumers, I really want to know what they taste like. You know, <laughs> how would you describe the flavour? So they're a little bit sweeter than um, the American ones. Uh, the texture is a little bit softer. Um, they're, they're they're high water content, so they're much juicier. Um, and, and just the, just the bite is, uh, is is really good. Um, the what you should, if you want to eat the best part of the strawberry, bite the very top of it. So maybe you give that to uh, a friend if you're sharing a strawberry with them, because that uh, that tends to be the sweetest part on the on the strawberry. And, um, and as, it, as it goes down towards the, the stem, it's, uh, it's a little bit like that sweet. But overall, um, that's the, the sweetest part. But these, these strawberries are super, they're really sweet, uh, juicy and, and fantastic texture. So I really believe that British strawberries are, are the best in the world. But I'm, I'm Ooh, really you, are, I mean, you are a bit biased based on your passport, Neil, let's be honest. Now, when, yeah. um, I went to Spinney's the other day, bought some berries, and the ones I bought were all grown in the UAE, raspberries and strawberries which, you know, it's really nice to see the flag, I have to say, the UAE flag on, on some of that produce. What's the response been like to some of the locally grown berries, which are pretty, you know, relatively new to store? That's right. Yeah, we, the season started um, probably mid-February on these, and we've had, uh, we've had about eight weeks of, uh, of UAE strawberries, blackberries, raspberries, and also blueberries. Actually, the blueberry season is slightly longer. Um, but the, 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 the response has been very positive and our, our volume growth has been, been very, very good. And uh, I think the customers have, have really enjoyed them. So we are coming to the end of the season now. So as the weather gets a little bit warmer um, in the UAE, it's a bit harder to grow uh, the berries. So we're coming towards the next two or three weeks will be the end of the local season. 
Neil, we've been asking everyone to get in touch this afternoon and share. If you had a supper club, what would you serve? Now, I know you are a bit handy in the kitchen um, and I know you like showcasing all the produces you have in Spinney's, but what would you, if you had a supper club, what would you like to be known for? Like your star dish? So I'm pretty good at duck. I've got a, I've got a really nice duck dish which I, which I make and it's got uh, lots of goodies stuffed inside it like uh, sage and, and ginger and garlic mm. and, uh, and, I, and I tend to make that with. I've got a, a, my kind of go-to accompaniment on most things. It's a very simple um, potato rosemary and, and garlic uh, just chopped in little pieces and, and roasted in the uh, in the oven with a bit of olive oil so oh. but those two and maybe some maybe some purple sprouting broccoli or tennis and broccoli to go with it and some strawberries for pud exactly yeah strawberries and cream for pud, definitely yeah <laughs> neil thank you for giving us a little peek behind the produce um the british strawberries are in store now she said hopefully because i'm going to spinnies on my way home from work that's right so the big stores have got them this weekend uh, the rest of the stores have them next weekend. You're a star. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend ahead. Really, really appreciate the insights and good to have you back on UAE Soil. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.